Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I want to um, start off this morning saying that normally when I am up here in a message, uh, all the stories that I'm telling you happened exactly as I am telling them to you. Um, and, and typically, uh, I will change the names to protect the guilty, but other than that, the, the stories are, are just that way. Now, this morning's a little different in that I'm going to tell you about five people in their life. Um, and while the things that happened to these people did actually happen to actual people I have known through the years, each person is kind of a composite character. So I've made each of these lives out of, you know, two or three other lives kind of put into one person. So while everything you're going to hear this morning did happen to, to someone I've known through the years, it didn't necessarily, necessarily happen to five people with these names. So having said that, I do want to tell you about Ryan, the auto mechanic. Uh, Ryan has grown up and lived his whole life in a small town. It's one of those small towns where everybody knows everybody else's business. Maybe you grew up in a small town like that. Um, if Ryan thinks about his life and is really reflective, which he actually doesn't like to do very often, not everything turned out the way he had hoped or probably the way anybody in his situation would hope. Now, in a generation where it's very popular to blame your parents for everything that went wrong in your life, uh, Ryan chooses not to do that. As far as Ryan is concerned, his parents did as good a job as they could do with what they understood about, about raising a family. And Ryan always tells himself he's not that bad anyway. But when he thinks about his life, which he doesn't like to do, he... Uh, reflects on being single. He's still single. He's had a string of relationships and honestly a, a string of some bad relationships that didn't really work out well at all. If he thinks about it, which he doesn't like to think about it very deeply, uh, there was some abuse in some of those relationships. And no one ever got punched in the face and sent to the hospital or anything like that, but there was some pushing there was some, some grabbing. There was a lot of yelling. A lot of obscene names hurled back and forth. There was even an abortion once. I mean, they didn't feel, feel ready to be married. He just tried to do the best he thought in a situation like that. He, he drove her to the clinic. He, he paid for the procedure. He didn't do a very good job of being supportive afterward, and they just kind of drifted apart. You know, there's a lot of drugs in small towns. You hear drugs a lot of times, you think, oh, big city, you know, drugs everywhere. But it's not really, it's not really true. It's really small towns is where drugs can really overtake a place. And, and Ryan was certainly a part of that scene. He, he partied. And it was a small town, not a lot to do. Now, he never came out with a heroin addiction or he doesn't drink himself to sleep every night. He doesn't have a big monkey on his back. As he always tells himself, he's not that bad. But uh, he has some friends who are. He have, has some friends who basically kind of fried their brain. They can't focus. They can't keep a job. They can't stay in a relationship. He has one friend who he thinks is homeless, if, he, if he's even still alive. He really doesn't know where he is. And Ryan has to ask himself, was I a part of that? Because he introduced some of those people to that scene. And he was there. He was there out at the dam in the summer. He was there in the backyard parties when things that happened, things happened that shouldn't have happened. Things were said that shouldn't have been said. 
I mean, the Kid Rock song makes it sound like singing Sweet Home Alabama all summer long is a lot of fun, but uh, really on the backside of it, it's not exactly, not exactly how it worked out. If Ryan thinks about it and he doesn't really like to, he feels dirty. He feels greasy, like he's covered in a grime. You know that he is an auto mechanic, he knows about that, especially when he looks at the guys who've been at, at that trade 10, 20 years longer than he has. When you work with grime and oil and grit and grease that long, finally it, it works its way into your fingerprint. It works its way into your nail beds and the cracks in your knuckles. And after a time, you can't wash that out, no matter how much you wash. It's what Ryan's soul feels like when he thinks about it, which is why he tries not to and just says to himself, uh, I'm not that, I wasn't that bad. Now, ironically, Ryan's been going to church lately. Don't ask how he got started doing that. Even he's not sure. And he's not sure why he keeps going because he has such mixed experience in church. I mean, sometimes when he hears the stories, particularly the stories of Jesus, things Jesus said and did, he feels set free just by the story. He feels like there's some opportunity for a fresh start, a new beginning. Other times, when he's listening to those sermons, he feels completely the opposite. He feels aware of the dirt and the grime on his soul that he's been ignoring or trying to ignore his whole life. Sometimes he feels like that minister is reaching out, grabbing a hold of some scar from his past that he's healed over and ripping it open. And then he walks out of the sanctuary with this fresh bleeding wound. And the confusing thing is he's not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Because although it was scarred over, it wasn't healed. And now that it's ripped open and bleeding, it's painful to think about all that stuff, yet he, realized, he feels, strangely, alive. Something about the honesty of it, something about the openness of it feels alive. Church is confusing. The minister has been talking about baptism. Baptism as a sign and a seal of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And as washing from sin. Now, when Ryan, the auto mechanic who feels greasy, thinks about washing from sin, when he hears that metaphor, he perks right up. And the pastor reads from Acts chapter 22 in the Bible, where it says, What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. He also reads that sermon from 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, uh, And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ryan wants that washing. He wants to feel clean. And so he finds himself out at a beach at a baptism ceremony. And as he goes down into that water, as Jesus went down into the grave, something from Ryan's past is buried there. And it doesn't come back up with him. When he's raised up out of that water as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, he feels, for the first time, clean. Completely clean and washed. Now, of course, there are still scars. But even Christ Jesus has scars when he returned from the dead on his hands and his feet. And Ryan still has his scars. But they're no longer scars of defeat. 
the reminders of things that have been defeated and things that have been overcome. He comes out of that water washed. Stacy uh, is on her second marriage and she has a daughter. And today, Stacy is using the video babysitter because she has got to get these vegetables chopped up for this salad. Now, you know how it is with the video babysitter. You put the video, the Disney video in, the toddler watches it for about 10 minutes, and they wander off to do something else, and then you're fixated on the cartoon and watch the thing all the way to the end, right? So, so here she is chopping tomatoes today, and she's watching the story about a mermaid, a mermaid who wants to be human and fall in love so badly, she goes and she makes a deal. She trades her voice for human legs. She signs a contract, but it's a bad contract. She's making the contract with a witch, a witch who has no interest in seeing her fall in love. This witch wants to make her and her whole family into slaves. And as Stacy watches this cartoon, for reasons she does not understand, she's crying over a kid's cartoon because Stacy's also made some bad contracts. She's made some contracts that has made her a slave to masters she never wanted. Her first marriage was a bad contract. There were signs early on that it was not going to be good, but she thought she could change him. All of his friends said, you're so good for him. Even his own mother said, "Uh, I'm so glad he found you. I thought I had lost my son, and now I'm getting my son back, and I'm going to gain a daughter. She thought she could change him for the good. She was wrong. She did fall in love again, and, and now she's remarried, and in her second marriage, she decided to do a lot of things differently. One of them was that she had grown up poor. Stacy, her whole life, had heard this phrase, we can't afford that. You can't do that. We can't afford that. You can't have that. We can't afford that. She decided in her, her daughter was never going to hear the phrase, we can't afford that. She was not going to grow up poor like that. So when it came time for the Disney vacation, the pilgrimage to Florida, and the money wasn't there, they took out a home equity loan and put their vacation on it. They're still paying for that trip to Disney long after the memories have faded. When their car broke down and they didn't have money to replace it, they leased the car. They're going to pay a lot into this and still come out at the end not owning a car. When they wanted to build their dream home because her and her new husband are, actually they haven't told anyone, but they're going to try to add a new one to the family. They'll need a new room, but they didn't have the money. So they took out a balloon loan on the build. Now he was supposed to get this big job and promotion that would pay this all off before the bigger payments kicked in. But the big job fell through. And that arm is about to happen. Stacy and her whole family now are enslaved to a new master. And his name is Debt. And he is a cruel master. He tells them everything they can do and everything they cannot do. Every day. Now, out of desperation, Stacy started going to church. She goes to this country church because it's the only one she really knows anything about. Her great aunt goes there. So it's all these elderly people and Stacy. And uh, they sing these old hymns. They only have about eight hymns that they can all still remember, and they just sing them on a rotation. Probably can't remember they just sang them last week. 
But uh, there they sing them, and, and there's this one particular shaker hymn that they sing. Tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free, tis a gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, we'll be in the valley of love and delight. By the time they get to the chorus about when true simplicity is gained, she's like that mermaid. She has no voice. What it would be like to be simple and be free of this master. So the pastor's been talking about baptism and specifically... He talks about it as making a covenant with God that cannot be broken, setting us free from all of our old bondage and contracts that made us slaves and making a new contract, a new covenant with God sealed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that can never be broken. And that sounds really good to Stacy right about now. He reads from Romans chapter 6. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. The next week finds uh, Stacy out at the creek behind the old church. That country church has a wide creek that runs through the property, and that's where they do their baptisms. They're old school there. They have these white robes they put on for the baptism ceremony, and she puts that on gladly. And she goes down into that water, and she comes out. She's in part of a new covenant, sealed with the death and the resurrection of Christ. She is set free from all of her old masters. Now, Stacy doesn't know it, but later this year, her house is going to get smaller. But her heart is going to get bigger. The cars they're driving are going to get more simplistic. But the acts and the life of love that her and her whole family get to be part of will become more extravagant. Stacy is set free. Her chains are broken. Dennis never considered himself a religious man. Although for all of his 60 years, he's always felt like some part of him loved and and sought after God. Now, he grew up on a farm in northern Missouri, and out there on the farm, the Sunday school bus would come by. Long time ago, Sunday school bus. But he got on the Sunday school bus one May, and he started going, and by the end of the summer, Dennis had gotten the perfect Sunday school attendance award, 15 gold stars right in a row. He got a certificate. He got to take the attendance list home. He was so excited. He got off the bus. He ran in. He waved it to his mother in the kitchen. She gave him a pat on the head. He went out and he showed it to his father. His father looked at it, snorted, and called him a sissy. He said, uh, church is for babies and old ladies. Dennis went into his room and he cried that night at the age of 10. But he never went to church again. Honor thy father. 
He's just celebrated his 60th birthday, and now Dennis has grown kids of his own. He has a son, and he has a daughter, and they have kids, and he loves his grandkids to death. Now, in an ironic turn, his children have found their way to church. His son, his daughter, and both of their families all go to church, which is fine by Dennis. He always kind of wanted to go to church, too, when he was young. Seems a little late now. Or is it? Because Dennis's son just came over this afternoon, stood in the living room, and read his dad the riot act about going to church. Dennis said, hey, it's fine. I, I believe in God. And his son goes, well, we'd like to see something, Dad. He said, you just have to do one thing. Give your heart to Christ Jesus. But you have to do it. Your grandkids and I would like you to be in church with us this Sunday. He leaves. Little does Dennis's son know But Dennis's daughter was just in the living room two days earlier, standing in the same spot, saying the same thing. So Dennis surrenders. After all, he has nothing against it, and it seems awfully important to the kids. So next Sunday, he gets up and he goes to church. In a rented movie theater. That's that's where his kids go to church, a rented movie theater. Church has changed a lot in 50 years since the Sunday school bus. Dennis walks in, immediately notices uh, none of the men are wearing a suit, not even the pastor. None of the ladies are wearing hats. But what really sticks out to Dennis is that the place is swarming with young men. This is not for babies and old ladies. The pastor is talking about baptism. He's he's talking about it as a sign of God's adoption of us as children. He reads from Romans chapter 8. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And then the pastor says unintentionally the magic words, no matter how old you are, That phrase hits Dennis like a 10-ton load of bricks. How is it that he's missed all this? How is it that he wasn't baptized? Well, he knows how, because when he was 10 years old, his father made fun of him, and he never went back. But he's back now, no matter how old you are. There's just one thing you have to do, Dad, but you have to do it. So he goes out into the theater lobby and with shaky hands, he signs his name to a contract. It just happens to look like a piece of paper on a clipboard that says, interested in baptism. And a month later, there he is on the beach, surrounded by enthusiastic and much younger faces. And they hand him a microphone and say, tell us something about how you came to Jesus Christ. Dennis never thought of himself as a public speaker. But before he really knows what he's saying, he says this. Well, I reckon in most families, parents bring their kids to church. But in our case, our kids brung us. And before he knows it, he sheds a tear and says, I am so grateful to Jesus for the life he has given me. It has truly been a wonderful life. 
he goes down into that water and comes out adopted son of God and there's not a dry eye on the beach. Now David and Sandy have always gone to church the whole time they were married and before. David and Sandy know the church drill. They have been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, sold it at a garage sale. And that, uh, that might be the problem. You know, you look at David and Sandy's life, you can't precisely tell what makes them different from all the people in the neighborhood who don't go to church. They spend their money on the same things. They talk the same way. Vacation the same way. Spend their leisure time the same way. It's hard to tell if they're not wearing their Christian faith like a sports jersey. Here's the thing with sports jerseys. You can wear the jersey because you're on the team and on the field. Or you can wear the sports jersey because you're a fan of the team, but you just like to sit and watch. Or you can wear the sports jersey because you just like the way the color looks on you. It's hard to tell with their Christian faith which it is. They might be what you call a nominal Christian, Christian in name only. But that's been changing lately since they started going to a new church. Now, David and Sandy go to a new church about every three years for one reason or another, but this one's got them. And this one, the minister keeps talking about changed lives, about how when you're a follower of Jesus, you live life differently. And he has solid examples. He has things they can walk out of there and do that week that make their life a proclamation that they're followers of Jesus and that they live differently. Their neighbors are noticing. Uh, he talks about the church as a force to change in the world, that a church can do things to change the world and change lives, starting right in its own neighborhood and even reaching to the other side of the world. Although the church isn't that big, they have a sister congregation in Africa. They trade pastors. David Sandy signed up to go to Africa. They have volunteered to be greeters. They have shown up for work days. They have given money, something they never did before. They feel like all this time, their Christian faith has been like a hidden treasure that they were holding on to that they didn't know the value of. I mean, they feel like, like they went on the, uh, the antique road show and they pulled out their Christian faith and said, oh, here's something my grandma gave me. And the appraiser said, that's extremely valuable. That's the most valuable thing in the world. You should polish that up. You should be doing something with that. That should be on display. That shouldn't be tucked in a closet somewhere. Just like Jesus said, don't take your light and put it under a basket. Let it shine. They are so excited. They have never lived out their Christian faith like this. It feels like, it feels like there ought to be a celebration. Well, the church has a baptism ceremony coming up, but they've already been baptized. David was baptized in high school at a big youth rally. Sure, he's wandered some since then, but he was there. Uh, Sandy, she was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church. So they go to their pastor and tell them all that God has been doing and that they would love to celebrate. And the pastor smiles very easily and says, well, Dave and Sandy, you're wanting to be rededicated. Rewadicated? Rededicated. At the same time, we're doing the baptisms. We have people there on the beach. They kneel beside the water. I take a palm branch. I put it through the baptismal water. I whip them with the water. And I say, remember your baptism. Because David, when you were in that youth rally, whether you knew it or not, there was probably an arena full of people praying that Christ would do a work in your life and that you would live for him. And look, here you are, man. Here you are. And Sandy, you were in that sanctuary, whether you knew what was going on there as an infant or not, and almost clearly you didn't. 
the priest, your parents, your godparents, everybody else in that sanctuary, they all prayed prayers that you would come to claim this faith as your own. And look, Sandy, here you are. It's all been true, both of you. Remember your baptism. Remember those promises and the symbols and, and celebrate the way they have come alive today in your life. Be out there on the beach with us and be rededicated. There'll be others. And so they do. That sounds perfect. So they're out there on the beach and someone reads over them a passage from Galatians chapter 3, which says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Well, that sounds just perfect. They're putting it on like a sports jersey, but this time they know what that jersey is. It's because they're on the team. They are on the field. They are in it to win it. It's not just a sports jersey, but it's like a t-shirt at a family reunion. They're putting it on because they are part of the family. They go down into that water. Well, no, they don't go down the water. <laughs> they get the remembering of the baptism. As that water strikes them, they remember and they celebrate all God has done to bring them to this place of faith. And they're beside Dennis, who is adopted as the son of God. Stacy, who is set free from the chains. And Ryan, the auto mechanic, who is washed clean. This is the power of baptism. I thought we'd close out this morning uh, reciting the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come and judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As one, go forth.